Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. We're so wonderfully blessed to have Miss Ginger to play for us in this uh, past day. Yeah. <laughs> and this past week at our um, associational meeting, Miss Ginger played played so so beautifully. And we thank thank the Lord for her. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the 13th chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel of Matthew. Now we might not get to all four of these uh, parables. The mustard seed, the leaven, hidden treasure, and the pearl of great price. But we're going to begin uh, there in Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, 31. And uh, these are oftentimes referred to as sandwich parables. They're parables of the kingdom, but they're sandwiched between other parables. And we looked at the parable of the soils, and then we looked at the parable of the wheat 
and the tares. And then Jesus gave the interpretation of the parable of the soils, and he gave the interpretation of the wheat and the tares. But he gave that interpretation after sharing two of these other parables in between. But he didn't, he didn't give us the interpretation for these two and uh, the, other, the other two, the hidden treasure and uh, the pearl of great price. And so as a result of that, there have been all kinds of, of various opinions and, uh, and interpretations. But we're going to do our best to look at what we can deduce from what the scripture has for us here, and of course, by the illumination of God the Holy Spirit, who is the one who enables us to understand God's holy word, because he's the one who inspired it. So beginning at verse 31 in Matthew chapter 13. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it grows, or when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leaven. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. And then we're going to go over to uh, verse 45, or uh, rather 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as we study your holy word, we pray that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for these parables. We thank you for your word that teaches us about you, your love, your mercy, your grace in our lives. We thank you, Lord, because your word also teaches us about what it means to be a child of God and to be a member of the kingdom member of your family. And again, Lord, we lift up those within our congregation who are ill, those who are in the hospital, and those who are awaiting surgery and other procedures, those who are still suffering from the loss of a loved one. Father, we pray for your healing, for your encouragement, for your hope, Lord, we pray as we study your word now that you'll speak to our hearts and that our hearts will be open and receptive to hear your holy word. To the glory and to the honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so Jesus is speaking to the, the, the 
multitude. And uh, last week we looked at the, uh, the parable of the wheat and the tares. And the wheat, of course, were the good seed or the, the result of the good seed. And the good seed, uh, the Lord Jesus referred to as the children of the kingdom, God's, God's children, believers, those who, who accept the word, who accept the Lord and, and love the Lord and live for the Lord. The bad seed referred to the children of the devil. And we made it clear that although people like to say we're all God's children, that is not correct. Everything and everyone belongs to him. But to be in God's family, one must receive Christ as their Savior. Jesus makes a distinction between those who accept him, who believe in him, who trust him, who love him, who have entrusted their lives to him, those are his children. But to those who reject him, who reject his word, who reject God, they are not in God's family. Yes, they belong to God because God is the owner of all things. He's created everything. The earth, the universe, everything that is in existence belongs to him. But to be in his family, one must believe in Christ as Savior. And so Jesus makes it very clear. He talks about the kingdom or the nature of the kingdom. And when he uses that, that, that term kingdom, the kingdom of God, well, God is ruler and sovereign over all of creation. And so this, this world, he, he said that the field is the world. Some like to interpret the field as the church. Well, the church is in the world, but not of the world. But the field, God's field, is the entire world or all of humanity. He made that very clear in the interpretation. And so he, he goes on and he shares these parables. First, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, he says. A mustard seed. Now, who is the sower? Again, Jesus referred to himself as the sower, or the man who sows the seed. In both the parable of the soils, as well as of the wheat and the tares. But he sows the good seed. It's the devil who sows the bad seed. And so it's, it's correct for us to view the sower of the mustard seed as the Lord. And then again, notice, the man took the, so, the, the seed and sowed it in his field. The field belongs to the Lord. So the field is the world, or all of humanity. Now, he goes on and he says that the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. At that particular time in, in Israel, it was the smallest seed that they had available to them to plant. Because, you know, there are always people trying to poke holes in, in the Bible. And they say, well, there are other seeds that are smaller than the mustard seed. Yes, but it was not known to them. You follow? It was not used by them. The smallest seed that they were accustomed to was the mustard seed. But notice that 
he says that as time passes and the mustard seed germinates, sends forth a root and then it grows and it grows and it grows and it becomes like a tree. He didn't say that it became an actual tree. He's using metaphorical language to describe that if allowed to grow, over time it grows so large that it actually gives the appearance of a tree and shoot, it shoots forth branches, etc. So much so that the birds can come and nest in its branches. Well, as we've said, Jesus is the sower and the field is the world. But the mustard seed is small, but the mustard seed has life in it. Just like every seed, there is life in that seed. And that life is given to it by God. It is designed by God. But a seed has to be planted. You follow? Planted. And so the mustard seed is, in fact, planted. And supernatural growth occurs. And as we've said, it has life. It contains life. And that mustard seed is symbolic of the Lord's kingdom or his, his work and his church, which is in the world. Seemingly insignificant. Consider, when Jesus chose his 12 disciples, his 12 apostles, I should say, because we're all disciples as well, all right? But the 12 apostles, very unique calling. Now, he didn't go down to the nearest university, did he? He didn't go to Yale, and he didn't go to Harvard, <laughs> or to Cambridge, or to Oxford. Why, he took common people. Common people. Now, they were industrious. They were hardworking. Very different from how they're often depicted. We know that Andrew and Peter and James and John were involved in the fishing industry. They had their own business. So they weren't necessarily poor, but they weren't among the most highly educated. But they were hardworking and industrious. As a matter of fact, the Bible does not approve of laziness. It does not approve of laziness, does it? Let me repeat that one more time. The Bible does not approve of laziness. God expects us to be hardworking and industrious people. Makes a huge difference. And so, the mustard seed, Jesus chooses, chooses these 12 men. And then in time, some other, some ladies join the group as well. But they seem like a small, insignificant group. And yet, over the ages and over the centuries, that small beginning has blossomed into, it's, it's estimated that there are about two plus billion, that's with a B, billion Christians in the world. And how many over the last 
20 centuries. The mustard seed has really grown, hasn't it? Indeed it has. But now it says the birds nest in its branches, and there are various, various positions, because in the scripture, generally, birds refer to the Gentile nations, or all of the various people of, of the world. And of course, the church and the kingdom of God is made up of people from all various ethnic backgrounds and various cultures. But then there's also this, because over in the, the first parable that he, that he shared, do you recall what, uh, what he said? And so, let's, uh, let's see what Jesus uh, says in terms of the, the birds. And he had shared with them, in uh, verse 3, he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Now, do you recall what he said the birds represented? Well, let's see what he says here. So go over to uh, verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. He equates the birds to the work of Satan. You notice that? And you see, these are called parables of the kingdom because he gives these seven parables. And they're all together. And remember that God is not the author of confusion. And while it is true that that the kingdom is made up of people from all of the different ethnic groups and cultures that make up humanity. Jesus said that he is the vine. And what are we? Ah, very good. And we are the branches. And notice that the birds, what are the birds doing? They're nesting in the branches. The world and all peoples of the world have been blessed as a result of the work done by God through his people or the kingdom or the church. And when you stop to consider the United States of America, now, last week I mentioned, and I said, don't fall into the trap believing that the government actually cares about you. <laughs> but let me also qualify that by saying this. No other nation in the history of humanity has so has done so much good for humanity than the United States of America. And oh I wish that they would that they would major on that in the news. All of the good that the United States does and continues to do. The United States, as far as I know, is the only country. Now I may be wrong, I, I'm not knowledgeable of what the other countries do. But I believe the U.S. is the only one that will actually fund its enemies. Those who, who stand up and actually declare to be enemies, we will fund them. We will provide funds to them. We give money and resources and food and all kinds of other things. The Lord has used the United States of America to bless humanity. And remember that Israel was to be a nation of, of priests. They were to take the love of God and to share 
God's love with all other nations, but they refuse to do them. And notice what the United States of America has been used by God to do. It's been used by God to share his loving grace with the rest of the world. I believe that our country sends out more missionaries around the world than any other country in the world. Our country has been used by God to take the gospel in so many different ways, not just through missionary, but through the internet and television and all of the various ways that we're able to, to communicate, satellites. All of this has come by way of the United States of America or by God's hand through the United States of America. And there are many birds nesting in its branches. But remember that the Lord is the vine and we are the branches. The birds may be those of every, every nation, but they may also be those. All they want to do is sit and nest. <coughs> but we move on. He went on to say, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Leaven that a woman took and hid till it was all leaven. Now, various interpretations here. But notice, she takes the leaven and she hides it in the meal. Well, where does the meal come from? The meal comes from the wheat. And the wheat comes from the good seed. You follow? It's a very important because all of these, they're, they're told together. So the meal comes from the wheat or the, or the good seed, but leaven in the scripture, leaven in the scripture represents evil. And the idea of hiding it in the meal, you see the idea of, of secrecy or, or trying to hide something, and what happens? What does, the, what does the leaven do? Leaven is yeast, so it causes the bread to rise. And so the saying, the Apostle Paul says, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. But what did Jesus teach about leaven? He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of, of those who teach the traditions of men instead of the word of God. Amen. You see, the Pharisees were legalists. And the Sadducees, they were skeptics. They were rationalists. They, they, they believed that a person had to think rationally. But they did not believe in the supernatural. They believed, they were like, you know, the people from Missouri, the show me state. You have to show me. You know, I have to see it before I believe it. They, they did not believe in, in angels. They did not believe in prophets or prophetic messages. Do you know that there are people today who profess to be Christians and say that they don't believe in prophecy? That there are people who call themselves Christians today and they don't believe in the virgin birth. Do you know that there are, are denominations that call themselves Christian today 
but question the inerrancy of the scripture. The Bible is without error. The Bible is God's holy word. And to be a Christian, you must believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he went to the cross and he shed his blood to pay the penalty for the sin of the entire human race. He died, he was buried, and on the third day, he arose from the grave. And 40 days later, he ascended back to the Father, and one day he will return. That is the gospel. But there are those who have allowed false teaching to come into Christianity. Some of them peddle that on TV. Some over the radio, by internet. And certainly not all of them, but many of them. And so there are many warnings concerning the leaven, but the importance of sound doctrine. The Bible teaches that in the latter times, in the latter days, and you need to understand the latter days began in the first century. So we're really in the latter, latter days. <laughs> that instead of, instead of holding to sound doctrine, oh, they'll get teachers right, who, who scratch the itch of their ears. Or in other words, will tell them things that make them all feel good. But we all like to be encouraged. We all like to be, you know, told how wonderful we are, right? That, that's the truth. But what does the Bible have to say about it? The Bible says that we're lost without Christ. The Bible says that we're all guilty. And that without Christ, humanity is lost. But the philosophers and the psychologists want you to believe that every individual is basically good. Isn't that right? Isn't that what they teach? That every individual is basically good. So how long did it take you to discover that your children weren't really perfect? Now, some of you may be living in the Nile. What is that? <laughs> and you think that your child is perfect. <laughs> but honestly speaking, we learn very quickly, right? Especially when, when they learn how to speak. Some of the first words, or, or among some of the first words they speak are mine. Right? Mine. <laughs> You try to teach a child how to how to share and how to how to get mine. <laughs> yeah. And then how about when they've broken something or have taken something? Or maybe they've eaten something that they weren't supposed to eat. No, no. <laughs> I didn't do that. They learn it all on their own, don't they? That sinful nature actually reveals itself very early in life. Well, the importance of sound doctrine, so important, because as time moves on, and you'll recall the seven churches in the book of Revelation, and you get to that seventh 
church. That seventh church. The church of Laodicea. Oh, they were rich, it said. We're rich. We have everything we need. We don't need anything. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, oh, you didn't realize, you don't realize that you're poor, blind, and naked. And you've made me vomit. That's, that's what it is in the Greek. To spew out. To vomit. Because they were lukewarm. So much of the church of the of the world had come into the church. You see, the church is supposed to go out into the world. Not to become one with the world, but to take the message of God's love to a lost and dying humanity. But he goes on and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And of course, the scholars go back and forth. But what does the Bible say? Well, over in the book of Exodus, the Lord refers to Israel as his peculiar treasure. Remember that Jesus came into the world to save humanity, but he came to save Israel first. He came to save Israel first. And we even read here in the Gospel of Matthew when he, he sends the disciples out on their first missionary tour, he tells them to avoid going to the Gentiles and to only go to the house of Israel. Because salvation comes to us through the nation of Israel. Abraham was given this promise by God that through his offspring, and eventually down the road, his seed, that seed being the Lord Jesus Christ, that the entire human race would be blessed. But that God was carving out, as it were, a specific, peculiar people. That people is known as Israel. Israel. The nation of Israel. And so, hidden there in the field of the world is this, this peculiar treasure. And notice, the man sells all he has for the treasure. He sells all he has. Hmm. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, The Lord Jesus Christ, who was rich, yet for your sakes became poor. Amen. And then again, over in Ephesians, he gave himself for his treasure. And then again, he purchased it with his own blood. Jesus came into the world. He gave all for his treasure. Well, we'll move on to this pearl of great price. And oh my goodness, lots of ink has been spilled on the pearl of great price. Some take the position that the pearl of great price is, is Jesus because he's, he's priceless. But notice that it's a merchant seeking, become seeking. And Jesus is the man who sows, and he is the 
the merchant who buys. And who does he buy? He buys us. He paid for our salvation with his own life. Jesus is the one who paid everything. He gave his all for all of us, for all of humanity. The pearl of great price of the church that cost the life of the Lord. And very quickly, you know the process of the pearl. A little grain of sand enters into the shell of the oyster and creates right, some, some uncomfortableness. And then that little film begins to, to form over that, that grain of sand, a little liquid. And then it, it hardens. And over time, it becomes a pearl. And notice, way down deep in the ocean, until it's discovered and brought up, ah, we were lost in the depths of sin. In the darkness that comes from sin. And the difficulty and the, the frustration and the loneliness and the ugliness, all that's apart. And yet Christ drew us out of the mire, the Bible. Paid the price for us. Every single one of you, every single one of us, every person is precious in the sight of the Lord. And the Bible says that there are going to be pearls in heaven. Amen. You see, because a pearl is, what's it used for generally as an adornment? And we are adorned. <coughs> by the glory of God. As he says that, that God's children will shine like the sun in the kingdom of God. And you see, right now in the world, like the nation Israel, the church is, is really hidden in the world. The world rejects us. They see no value in us. And yet, that mustard seed continues to grow. The kingdom of God continues to grow. And it's going to continue to grow. And even when Christ establishes his millennial kingdom, there are still going to be unbelievers living upon the face of the earth. And these parables make it very clear that the world really only has two kinds of people, believers and unbelievers. And we need to bring this message to a close. So let's move on to the last the last point here. What do we learn from this passage? Like a small seed in its beginnings, the kingdom continues to grow. The field is the entire world, all of humanity, and we're to go into all of the world. You may say, well, we're, we're a small congregation. We're not as small as we used to be. Matter of fact, across the United States of America, the average church is only about 150, 150 to 200. And, and, and attendance out of the thousands, tens of thousands of churches. Yeah, there's some great big mega churches. I tell you, my son uh, is in a church that's over 10,000 people. Huge church. You say, well, what can we do? Well, when you give 
to the Samaritan's Purse and we give through our cooperative program, we participate together with all of these other churches in sending missionaries and making it possible for the gospel to be preached and for children to be touched by God's love. The treasure of eternal life is priceless. Salvation. It costs the life of our dear Savior. And currently, believers and unbelievers live together because God is merciful. Because God is merciful, he's giving the unbeliever the opportunity to be saved. To be saved. And the opportunity for God's children to share his love with a lost and dying humanity. And, and last, believers are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations. The church doesn't exist for itself. A local church doesn't exist just for itself. And, and a local church makes a mistake when, when its priorities are always centered around itself. No. A worldwide ministry. Missions and evangelism. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. As we sing, the invitation is an invitation to you given by God. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus, to accept him as your Lord and Savior, to follow in believers' baptism, or maybe the Lord is calling you into the ministry. Maybe he's calling you to be a missionary or an evangelist. Whatever the case might be, you come as the Lord leads you. Let's stand, please, as we sing. Have thine own way. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.